from Bentonville, the epicenter of retail's hometown, it's the Supplier Community Podcast, giving you 24-7 access to a community of emerging and experienced thought leaders in the retail space. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's edition of the Supplier Community Podcast. I'm Josh Irwin. Chris Campbell is a well-known name in shopper marketing. For many years, he worked in that space with Ibotta. Now he has started a new shopper marketing journey with the company Gimbal. Recently, Matt Lawrence talked with Chris on Supplier Community's Reality of Shopper series. They discuss Chris's experience in his career and the modern state of shopper marketing. Chris, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. Really appreciate it. I love it. Now, the first thing we need to tell everybody is where we are. We're on location, right? We are. Uh, we are uh, actually just about a mile east of Cave Springs. Yep. Uh, we are at a with uh, staying here with an organization called the Pack Shack. Right. Primarily, uh, this organization is is involved in in feeding the hungry. That's right. Packing meals for exactly. people, uh, our neighbors in need around the around, exactly. around our community. Um, and so you get a chance to come in, pack the meals, and then they go to organizations around us that feed people. I they do. It. They do. And it's great. And they've, they've, they're allowing us in here, which is great because we've, as, as all the other folks that are watching today, we've been social distancing. And yep. unfortunately, we're getting a chance to have a little bit of distance, but also some interaction today. So sure. thanks wonderful. for having me in. Thank you for coming. I love it. You've been in Shopper for forever. Seems and like we, it. I think so. And we've known each other for a long time. So it was good to get a chance for friends. For sure. We've worked in social settings and in business, but to sit down and just talk, which For is sure. Cool. And so this is a great cause. It is. It is. Cool. We were to, uh, a place to start. We were talking earlier about how we met. So, so God keeps putting people in my life. Like they, yep. they just get recycled and you can't burn bridges. And Northwest Arkansas is a tiny community. So we were on the phone and said, hey, where was the first place we met? And it was at Mars Advertising or the Mars Agency, right? It was I have a funny story, and I'll, and I'll give some credit where credit's due. Um, so when I first started here, my wife and, and I and, and our family, we've lived here for a number of years. Uh, but my first go around in shopper marketing was with uh, Triad Retail Media. Yeah. And so I was the third or fourth person here in town, and David Haas, Sherry Smith, and, yep. and others uh, that were on the ground here. And so... Uh, our office was right next door to the Mars office. And so it's, uh, in some ways, it almost feels like it was yesterday. I mean, with Leslie and, and the rest of the crew, and, and obviously you Brian were over God there. and Rob Rivenberg, Jenna Ashbreck, Brad Ruth. It was like a who's who of shopper marketing, Rich and Holly Hill. It really it's was, it really was. And I was thinking, because we were talking about that earlier, yeah. I was thinking that the majority of those folks are still here in town and the majority of them are leading their organizations either in shopper marketing or on the sales side or on the cat side okay. uh, and so it's fun to kind of run into folks um you probably hear this sometimes too but and, and my past employers and supervisors have said well you're kind of like the mayor of bentonville <laughs> and i kind of laugh because that's not really true. All of us, in a lot of ways, like you and Leslie and the rest of the folks that were in that organization and others, are kind of like the mayors of Bentonville because we've just been in the in the space for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been an amazing journey, and it's a, a cool community to be a part of. It has been. Uh, we were talking about that. I've been, you know, on the supplier side, the agency side, the vendor side, and it mm-hmm. just all melds together. So, which is cool. So I know everyone here. Uh, if they don't know the new news, they know you as 
the Ibotta guy. If yeah. you want to drive yeah. conversion in a store, sure. uh, traditionally, sure. and move units, call Ibotta and call Chris. Sure. But you have sure. new news. Yeah, so uh, new news in the middle of the COVID-19, um, perfect time to transition to a new role. And I'll ask you about that in a minute. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I will talk about that. But yeah, so historically, um, have been in the space for a long time, love to talk about it, love to meet with folks like yourself and kind of go through some of the historical piece of it. But yeah, I, I have was traditionally sort of the Ibotta guy and I yeah. still have been taking a number of calls and emails and, and, and moving those folks off to the right reps on the Ibotta team here locally, which is, so if anyone has questions, obviously get a hold of me, I can get them to the right folks. Yeah. But I took a new role, yeah, in early, it was been mid-March at this point. It was, right as, it. It was well, right as everything was, everything was ramping up. It actually was, up. it was because it was, I took, uh, I started the new job on a Monday, which I think was the 16th of March. Okay. And by that Wednesday, they had shut the NBA down. And by Friday, everything had been shut down. Um, from a, from a uh, you know, in-person perspective. So yeah, interesting timing. Um, so it's worked out well. You know, I think we're in a totally different world, which we'll talk about today as far as how, we're, how I'm interacting with folks, how you're interacting with folks, and kind of what the general landscape looks like sure. now has changed dramatically. Sure. So you're at Gimbal now. I am. And for my benefit and the listeners, can you share a little bit about who is Gimbal? And then I'd love to know, why did you make the transition? Yeah, yeah, great question. So Gimbal um, is primarily a technology company. Um, so Gimbal historically came out of Qualcomm, which a lot of folks mm -hmm. are familiar, familiar with Qualcomm. With Qualcomm. Yep. Gimbal was one of the units of Qualcomm that was focused on location technology, meaning mm -hmm. um, what Gimbal started out to do was embed location technology in mobile phones and in the apps that are part of those mobile phones. And the SDKs. Exactly, the SDK component. And what it allowed shopper marketers and others um, to do is to be able to better understand what was going on with their shopper, where they were shopping, where they were moving from day to day mm -hmm. and be able to improve their spend uh, and optimize that. So in the case of you know, the Walmart shopper marketers that are around here, the ability to be able to find folks that are within their particular cohort, but that are potentially buying the product at a family dollar. That's right, and driving them back. Correct, right. and bringing them back in. So it's, uh, it's just a really interesting space. And for me, the reason for the transition is, and I am, you will find that I'm the biggest Ibotta cheerleader and will continue to be. For me, it was interesting because it gives me an opportunity to, to restart yeah. on the ground because I had built the Triad team early on and then moved over to Quotient yeah. and was the first uh, rep here for Quotient, coupons.com. Coupons. Yeah. Same thing with Ibotta. And I just enjoyed that entrepreneurial piece of it. And so uh, Gimbal did not have anyone here in this market. Uh, very minimal support on the CPG and shopper side in general. And this also kind of allows me to, to um, show some of the services that Gimbal has outside of CPG. Mm -hmm. So we were chatting earlier as far as, you know, calling on some of the colleges for the fall or the spring and trying to use location to get students yep. to go to you know, UCA or Arkansas Tech or some of the other places. So 
just a little bit of a ways to kind of stretch my wings from that perspective, but also stay in the market. So I love that. And you've had experience of building teams and building business like no one I know. So it's fantastic yeah. just to, to have another challenge and do well, that Well, it's again. scary though, too. I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's a scary piece to not necessarily just in the middle of the, the virus uh, going on, but just to make those kind of changes. And I think a lot of folks are will be able to kind of recognize that because a lot of us are going through changes, right? A lot of people are either making changes of jobs or uh, they're, they're making some adjustments in their life because of the, the situation that we're, is going on now. So I think that it's, you know, things are always changing and, and we just need to be open to that. We do. I, I think you're right. We were talking earlier and we'll talk about this more about kind of the adoption curve. Uh, we might as well talk about it now. The adoption curve of, of online um, shopping, pickup mm-hmm. and delivery services. And for, for a long time, I thought, okay, are, are shoppers pushing this or are retailers pulling this? And we were kind of on this steady trajectory, right? And we thought, oh, it's speeding up a little mm-hmm. bit, but all of a sudden it went from zero to 100,000 miles an hour. And, and the adoption curve, is just, it, it's blown up. And um, it's amazing to see what we're all having to deal with, um, being socially distant, being at home, mm-hmm. not being in the store. So. I've had to spend weeks trying to figure out how do you work from home? How do you mm-hmm. become productive there? Um, how do you work with that with your family? And then as shopper marketers, I've spent the last number of weeks trying to figure out, okay, we had a marketing program that was designed to drive shoppers in the store to walk up to a feature and pick up a product and sell through. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you don't have that, when you don't have a demo in store, when you don't have all that, how do you still drive sales? And, and we're, we're figuring it out very, very quickly, I think. Yeah, it's interesting because we were talking about this just a few minutes ago about uh, you know, you're, you're in the middle of this Explorer series, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I know early on, some of the topics were, were focused on a lot of the in-store activity and whether that's fixtures or what the in-aisle experience looked like and how ironic that we are just a few months into this and everything, to your point, is either online, uh, buy online, pick up in-store or yeah. pick up related or all even the newer things that we've seen that have been around for a while, but we're seeing more and more, which are the direct-to-consumer components, where even just within the past few days, there was a release that came out from Frito-Lay where they've come up with Mm -hmm. snacks.com. Now you're buying your chips online, and they're shipping them straight to your house, and things like that that were not necessarily unheard of, but were definitely unique uh, up until just just a couple of months ago. And I think that we're all... Um, sort of waiting with bated breath a little bit on what does that look like for for each of us from a business perspective and also from a family perspective. You know, my wife has never been a big pickup person, so to speak, grocery pickup. She would much rather go in the store, but with, with what's going on with the COVID piece, now we're we're ordering pickup, we're doing things that we just typically or traditionally weren't doing so my family was slow on that adoption curve too my wife and i you know kind of looking at it dipping a toe here or there and had to jump in head first and we spent time with my parents her parents so now we're talking grandparents that are saying okay how do we do this mm-hmm. and they're learning and they're learning quickly and my parents every week it's a new order and it gets dropped off and uh, or they pick it up and they're huge fans of it and i We'll see what happens when we come out of this. You and I discussed that. What, yeah. Okay, does that, does that continue? Uh, how many people go back into the store uh, as, as we kind of open up restrictions? I mean, I'm kind of a tri- I mean, I think, too, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist in that, personally, 
I like to be in the store. Um, again, I think everyone's a little bit different on this, but like with my bank, for example, I want to go in and I want to talk to the teller and I want to interact with folks at the bank. I mean, I'll do a drive-through on occasion, but I think that we're gonna, there's going to be a balance there because we're still going to get into a situation where we don't want to over-rotate one way or the other to where, for example, 5260, we don't want that to just become a distribution center. I agree. Right? I mean, Probably I think that's right interesting. Now. I think yeah. that there is, there is a, there is a uh, school of thought that we would potentially over-rotate, and I think there's still going to be a group of people that are interested in that, in that interaction in the stores. So. And, and we may. We'll have to see. I think you're, you're a traditionalist in that sense, and yeah. I think I'm kind of getting pushed a little further along. I think maybe we probably are, both like, of us. I, you, know. you know, We'll see. We'll see where it lands. See where it goes, yeah. Uh, we talked about something else, too, in light of this, and, and I have two questions, but one is um, I've noticed that our friends, I have tons of friends in the in the service community, providing technology and services for suppliers, mm -hmm. helping them reach shoppers sure. during a totally unique time right now. Um, so I look at Rich Context has some really cool stuff mm -hmm. with Hyphen they're just coming out with. It's, it's being launched right now, connected to dot .com. Um, we've got a, a ton of stuff. I, I wrote down, uh, Ibotta's got a brand new online piece, sure. uh, which is cool. So you not only save in the store, you save online. Um, the field agent has digital demos. So how do you take a, a physical demo and turn it into a digital demo? Have you been watching that? Uh, what do you think about all of those different mm -hmm. services out there? And does Gimbal offer a technology or service that can kind of help suppliers right now in this time? Yeah, let me, I'll address the first Makes part sense. of it Two first, parts. and then I'll go into the Gimbal side. Yeah. Um, to me, it's interesting that we are now in a situation where we're doing like drive-through demos, for example. Mm -hmm. I saw that the other day where there's actually drive-through yeah. demos um, that are happening. And I think that that's kind of hearkening back a little bit to some of the retail tainment component or some of the parking lot component, right? So there's a, there's a little, a bit, there's a little bit of that. People, yeah. Seeing more and more, of course, online sampling uh, continuing to go through uh, with those programs. But I think what's going to happen is that you're going to continue to have the same needs or similar needs from shopper marketers moving forward, right? We still need to be able to know who the shopper is. We still need to know where they are. We still need to market to them at the right time. And really more so in the way they want it to be marketed to, right? So right. one of the things we're seeing, and I can speak to this from a gimbal perspective, is that there is a, there is a very high sensitivity to um, not only brand safety, in other words, putting your particular brand on sites in apps that are applicable for your particular brand, but probably more importantly with some of the regulations that came out in California and other states recently, you have this um, security around user data, right? So shoppers want to make sure that their data is being used properly. Um, one of the things I'll mention uh, that Gimbal is involved in now, a little bit unique to shopper marketing, but we're working with some different states to come up with a solution for contact tracing. Mm -hmm. Meaning that um, once a user, once a shopper opts in, we would, the state along in partnership with Gimbal would have the ability to notify that person that they were um, either in an area that had seen a high incidence of COVID or other conditions, mm -hmm. uh, but in some way be able to notify them and let them know that they were 
that they needed to go in and get tested. You might have been at risk. You were in a situation that might have put you at a higher risk. So a way to be able to use, which I think this is not necessarily unique to just Gimbal, but location technology in general, to be able to utilize that to help consumers as opposed to it being strictly about the marketing component. So um, that's, that's what I see happening. And then specifically around how we can support those other organizations. It's a matter of casting a big enough net, using media to cast a big net around the right shoppers and bringing them in, whether that's for a digital demo or a drive-through demo or, right. or another in-store event. Just the same thing that we've done traditionally with in-store, but more so with, um, with pickup and online. Yeah, do it so. digitally. I, I feel like historically there have been two islands, and I've talked about this on other, other episodes too, we had in-store, in-store budgeting, in-store strategy, in-store KPIs and measurement, and then online. And they were totally different, and they never talked to each other, even sure. inside organizations. And I think those two, those two walls and silos have been broken down maybe forever. Uh, it feels like the two have to work together now, that Walmart's seeing them as one, and we see them as one. And to your point, it's not, am I selling in-store, am I selling online? It's, am I selling to Chris? Mm-hmm. Who's Chris? Where's Chris going? How would Chris like to get the right product at the right price at the right time at the right message? Yeah. How does he want me to interact with yeah. him and then allow you to do it? Remove the friction, remove the barriers, allow you to buy, and you'll do it. You'll do it all the yeah, time. Yeah, I, I see that that's where we're headed, and I see that the organizations that are most apt to be able to support opt-in yeah. on the shopper side are the ones that are going to succeed. So the concept of one-size-fits-all is gone and the concept of sort of siloing shoppers into online or in-store is gone. Um, It's definitely, you know, we've talked about this omni-channel approach for years, but it's always been around siloing those communications to cover off on multiple channels. Yep, it was adding multiple channels, but they were all still in silos. It's like the real definition, the real definition of omni-channel would be, would be to show you um, a media unit or a coupon or something along those lines uniquely to the way that I see one and in a fashion that's more apt for you. And so I think of it too, even Gimbal, one, one of the pieces that's unique is that because we know who these individuals are on their mobile phone, we also have a, a way to identify their usage of other devices, right? So whether that's a laptop or a, an iPad, and be able to speak to them in those particular contexts. And again, that's not particularly unique to us, but I think the concept to be able to, I want to speak to you at the right time mm-hmm. with the right message. And I think that we're just going to continue to be more refined in those areas. I saw something this morning. It was from Nielsen. Um, I thought it was interesting. They said that they thought there were three different kind of scenarios as we come out of this. You're talking about coming out of this is mm-hmm. important. It was rebounding and then rebooting, and then reinventing. And it was interesting, so it's rebounding, coming out of this, then kind of rebooting business and shopping Mm -hmm. and behavior, and then reinventing. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? I think reinventing is happening right now. I think it's already Mm -hmm. on us. I don't think it's the third step. I think we're doing it right now. So we'll see as we continue to reinvent. Listen, listen to shoppers, oh, that was cool. You've been in sales, uh, you've built businesses, you've built, you know, businesses here, you've yeah, you built sure. teams, so you got a lot of experience. Uh, what are some of the things that you've learned um, in, in, in providing solutions for the supplier community? 
and suppliers. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense, that question? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. In, in, in yeah. engaging with them and helping them, what have you learned that could help other people yeah. without giving the competition any any? Oh, no, 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 I, no, I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not worried. We're all kind of in the same, in the same boat. I think it's, um, I think probably what I've learned the most over the years is that um, providing, providing the solution that the client is looking for is important versus what I wanted to sell them yeah. or I wanted to provide to them. Um, it's also an internal, there's also been some internal selling going on as well for me and probably others in the space in that this market is so unique compared to the rest of the country. So I'll speak to that briefly because yeah. I've worked for companies that were based in Tampa Mountain View, mm -hmm. California, Denver, Colorado, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Los Angeles, California now. And so when you look at those four markets in relation to Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, that's a different audience. That's a different group of people. That's a different way of selling. That's a different way of communicating. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've all learned over time, I know I have, that to be the most successful, it's to do what we're doing right now. It's what is it that your organization um, is struggling with? What's an area that's missing yeah. in how you're, you're meeting the shopper's needs? And then if I have a solution talking to the client about that solution, if I don't, and one of the beauties of having been here a while is if I don't have the solution, we typically know somebody that does. Yes. Um, and I think that's also uh, the irony of being in this space too, is we're quote unquote competing with others in some situations that we, that we know really well. And so I think that historically the way that, that I've been successful is to begin to divvy that out to folks that are more skilled or have a specific area of expertise and vice versa. And I think we were just talking about that a minute ago, which is hopefully what comes out of this is a um, spirit of more partnership among whether it's Gimbal and others that are in our space or you know, vice versa, folks that learn about our organization and how we can help and, and, um, and be able to share. The, the follow through is another component. I think having been here and being in the market, people know how to get a hold of me. They also know how to get a hold of my leadership team, if there's a problem, I think that's important, right? That we have that chain where they know they can come to me, they know they can get support. Um, I've always had a good support team on all the different organizations I've worked for. And you know, hopefully if you were doing this interview with others that I've interacted with in the past, they would say something very similar that open dialogue, being accepting of different ideas, listening, approaching things strategically would have been the way to, to prove things out, so. Yeah, makes sense, it does. Um, if you were a supplier, you know, I'm looking from the supplier side, looking at all the different opportunities that are out there and all the different really great technologies and strategies and, mm -hmm. and partners to partner with, how do, you, how do you figure out how to navigate that and understand what's right for you at the right time. And I've been on the desk where you're sitting there and you've yeah, got calls sure. constantly and you're having to push people off and you're giving people to your media and to your shopper agency mm -hmm. and you're doing that stuff. But sure. how, do you, how do you navigate all that? Well, I, I would say I, I feel for that situation. You know, having been on the, 
the selling side or the solution side for so long, I haven't had to deal much personally with that particular challenge, but yeah. I know it's a challenge. Yeah. And so what I would do is if I was a junior shopper marketer, or if I was coming in as a, as a junior AE of an agency level, I would go to folks that were senior or on the shopper marketing side, I would find senior shopper marketers in the community that were in non-competing areas. And I would, I would just pick their brain essentially, because what happens is you have folks that have been in the space for a number of years that have begun to build out um, essentially a menu of options. And they know historically that, oh yeah, Ibotta, they work great in this situation, this situation or, or this, this particular yep. tactic works really well and here was my ROI or here's my ROAS in this particular situation. So I would not take it as a, um, I wouldn't feel bad at all going out to folks that had been in the market for a long time and saying, hey, can I spend an hour with you and I have some questions, you know, when you're supporting in-store, online.com, demos, whatever the case might be, even if it's a KPI, so my KPI is brand awareness or it's conversion or whatever the case might be, I think you, can, you can't ask enough questions of people that are out there. Um, there's, also, there's also organizations that have begun to consolidate that. And that's why I think a lot of times, even though from time to time there's transitions between um, clients and agencies, I think the agency model is still extremely strong because what happens in the agency world is you have individuals that are experts at collecting that type of information, that's historical right. information. Service to the and that's yeah. a service that the client is willing to, to pay for. And I think it's, it's worthwhile for them to do that. But I would say ask as many questions as possible. Everyone in this market is also open to running test and learns. So I would say if, if folks are out there looking to, oh, I'd like to try that particular technology, but I don't understand it, and I don't know if it's gonna be successful, and I don't want my boss on my back if I spend yeah. you know, 100 grand and it doesn't play. Yeah, totally. So go to folks and see what you can work out with you know, limited store counts or yeah, whatever the case play. might be. Yeah, I know in a lot of scenarios, we'd like to look at that kind of 70, percent rule like 70 percent of the time use the tried and true tactics that you know are going to work and drive conversion or drive sales or drive awareness whatever it is and then pick out that other 20 and 10 percent 20 percent on mm -hmm. stuff that's emerging that you've tried that you think you should try some more and sure. really measure and about 10 percent of hey let's just throw some money at some things that are unique and new and let's see how how it works yeah, and don't be like and don't be shy about it don't <laughs> be you know that's because that's going to show well again whether it's agency or client side it's going to show well if you go out and you make the attempt and you use these different tactics and technologies, uh, it's, going to, it's going to show well from, from totally you for internally as well. Yeah, so. Totally good. All right, so we're in. here's the deal. As we come out of this social isolation, working at home, and we can get back out to doing the things we love with our friends and family. All right, so, so let's talk about what we love to do. Yeah. You said you like to fish. I can't wait to get to the beach. I love it, I love it. So Make we've it. already started. Yep, we're already there, halfway. Um, I've been out on the kayak a couple of times already, Lake Atalanta and, and Beaver Lake. So I love to fish. I like to just be on the water, really, as much as anything else. So. Okay, so let's do this. I usually try to do a 20 questions, just rapid okay. fire, Perfect. fun at the end. We'll do this. It's 20 questions about fishing. Okay. See how this works. Okay. We'll see how it Ready? goes. All right, one. What's your favorite type of fish to catch? Trout. Okay. What's your favorite place to fish here? Um, 
Probably Roaring River. Roaring River, okay, yeah. pretty close, right? Yeah, close okay. by. And you like to fish in a kayak, right? I like to fish in a kayak, but not on Roaring River. A buffalo is beautiful, obviously, so as well. With, so. Okay, I love it. How about not here, elsewhere, where do you like to fish? Oh, okay. Do you, do you um, like to go anywhere and travel to fish? Yeah, I, 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 haven't, I haven't gotten the chance to do this yet, but I want to fish up in Canada. Okay. So um, we don't really we don't get to do anything with walleye and, and some of the, the different you know, fish that are native to, to Canada, and so I'd love to get a chance to do that. So That'd be fun. Yeah, it would be really fun. That'd be really fun. Um, what is your favorite lure? Oh, interesting. Um, well, there's two things. I don't know. Favorite lure is probably a, just the traditional earthworm because it works as good or better than anything else. And I typically will try a lot of different things, especially with trout. I'll use a, I'll use a doe bait with trout or I'll use the Berkeley baits and so forth. So really with baits, it, it's all about, you know, what the weather looks like and, and what the water looks like. So. Yeah. How did you get involved in, how did you start fishing? Was my dad. Doing little? My dad. Yeah, my dad and his dad. Uh, I grew up in Houston. So fishing is very important in the South, uh, along with hunting, although I never really was a hunter. Um, so yeah, through my dad. I love it. Okay. Fishing stories. They're always outlandish. What's yeah. your greatest, biggest, best fishing story that you could throw on us? And it doesn't have to be true. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting uh, because I could- The one they it, got away. Tell me about the yeah, one Yeah. I, I, it's so funny. I'm going to tell you, yeah, the, I'm going to tell you about my story and then I'm going to tell you about my sister's story as well. Okay. It's kind of interesting. So a lot of deep sea fishing. Um, I've done a lot of deep sea fishing in the past and even recently with my family. And what I enjoy about that is you come back with a lot of good meat for lack of a better term, right? So mm -hmm. red snapper and kingfisher and so forth. Mm -hmm. my, I've never caught one, uh, but my sister has caught a shark. Really? So she's a, she's a couple years younger than me in Houston. And, and so that for her, that was, the, that was the thrill. And I think for me, that would be sort of the thrill is to catch sort of something really exotic like that. That's and cool. last time I looked, there's no shark in Beaver Lake, so you pretty much have to be saltwater for that. I heard there's some catfish that can take There are some there. massive catfish in there in Beaver, for sure. For I sure. love it, that is so cool. All right, Chris, I wanna thank you for spending some time with yeah. me. Um, known you forever, this has been a blast to see what's going on in the industry right now, what you're thinking, um, and to spend some time together as we come out of this, this whole experiment yeah. and um and hoping the best and wishing the best and praying the best for our friends and family and people we know or everybody's struggling and dealing with it the way they you know, the best they can and so i hope i hope everybody's doing well, well I, I just, you know? and i would say thank you again yeah. uh thank you to the pack shack for having us in here i just want to be i want this forum to be an encouragement for folks that are watching it as well that you know, we are going to come out of this thing stronger than we were before and also just to let folks know, you know, get a hold of you, get a hold of me, get a hold of others in the community if we if we need help kind of in the space and yeah. and as we kind of come together out of this. So I totally get it. And I think coming out of this, I think we're going to go find Brett, who's around the corner. Yes, let's get do him it. in here and see if we can maybe pack uh, some, oh, some let's pack food it. for let's somebody do it for sure. Yeah, let's pack. Okay. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of the Supplier Community Podcast. Supplier Community is your community for all things retail. We are creating fresh new content all the time. And the best way to stay on top of it is to check out our Supplier Community YouTube channel. We have hundreds of videos on the latest tips, tricks, and trends in the retail space. Be sure to watch and like our videos, subscribe to our channel, and smash that bell to receive updates when we upload content. 
And for information on our upcoming events, please visit our website, supplier.community. We connect you with the community and we connect you with the experts. You've been listening to another episode of the Supplier Community Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To get in touch with us, any of our experts, or to be featured as a supplier community expert, reach out to amanda at supplier.community.